Welcome to Sober Doc Coffee, a weekly coffee chat sharing experience, strength, and hope for anyone on the sober road to recovery. You can download Sober Doc Coffee weekly on all podcast platforms and check us out on Instagram at Sober Coffee Podcast and on Twitter at Sober Coffee Pod. To learn more about us and to help support these sessions, visit online at Sober Coffee. Here are your hosts, two guys on their own path to recovery, Mike and Glenn. Let's join them at the coffee shop. Glenn, good morning. Hey, what's up, Mikey? Good morning. I'll tell you what, I'm feeling a little in sorts and a little out of sorts this morning. Uh-oh, again? Yeah, because we got laptops in the coffee shop. What's up with that? I know, that's, well, you know, that's a common thing for coffee shops now. The only thing I'm really grateful for is they have coffee. I'm on, like, my fourth cup already. So let's get two stuff. Let's get two stuff. It's always great to connect with you in the coffee shop. Looking forward to jumping in and seeing what we're doing today. It's good. Well, today, like I said, we got our laptops, so we're going high tech. We we brought Zoom into the coffee shop. I knew those two worlds would collide eventually. <laughs> hey, you know what? I went to an in-person AA meeting last night. I think the first time in nine months. So don't yell at me, but the first time in nine months. I didn't normally go to about seven or nine Zoom meetings a week, but actually, and my uh, sponsor nudged me, so I sat next to my sponsor during the meeting, and it was an outstanding experience. I can't wait to go again, probably next year sometime. Yeah, it's good. It's it's amazing how life has changed. But hey, Glenn, let's Zoom somebody in. What do you say? You want that's awesome. What uh, what a Zoom for three? Zoom for Zoom for three. That's right, a Zoom that. coffee table for three. I love it. Yeah, so I'm going to cue this up if I could. Um, I'm uh, I'm kind of new at Instagram. So I got kicked off of Facebook, for starters, right? I mean, <laughs> somebody hacked my account and kicked me off. I'm a, I'm a little, I'm the older generation, so Facebook was my conduit to the world, right? And uh, they booted me off, man. They just, like, they didn't even give me a chance to plead my case. They just knocked me off. Don't right? they call that Facebook jail? Yeah, well, I went to Facebook prison, dude, with, oh, with the life. I mean, they just deleted my account. So I, I shook for a couple of days, right? And and uh, how how's the world going to go on without me knowing what's going on in the world, right? And right. Uh, But, you know, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, I started this Instagram account. And uh, I thought, all right, well, this could be a fix. It's not whiskey, but it's beer. And so I, did I just say that out loud? Um, but anyway, so so I go to I go to Instagram and I start scrolling through, and unbelievable the amount of positive content that I could put into my feed. I'm clicking follow, follow, follow because there are people out there that are pulsating a positive message that I need to hear. And so I'm an Instagrammer, Glenn. I love Instagram. You know, we have our um, Sober.Coffee pod, you know, our our podcast um, up on Instagram, and we've connected with some amazing people, and that's our our table for three today is one of those folks. But, I mean, it's just amazing, the content. And sometimes, you know, I'm right in the middle of a busy day, and I'll pop on Instagram, and I'll see three or four quick posts. It just give me a jolt. Just give me a a, a nice jolt in the middle of the day. And, um, you know, so there's a lot of value in that. All right, great. So I'm I'm surfing around and I find therapy for women, and I think, hmm, is that a club that'll let me in? And no, so they won't. They let me. No, they did. I, I said <laughs> follow, and they didn't reject me. So it's I'm awesome. A, I'm a follower of therapy for women, and uh, 
And it turns out that the author of these wonderful messages also authored a book. And so let me introduce to you Amanda E. White. My second question is going to be what the E stands for. But Amanda, welcome to the coffee shop. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Amanda, welcome. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. So what does the E stand for, Amanda? (laughs) Uh, The E is my middle name, and it stands for Emmeline. Oh, Emmeline. Emmeline. It's a family name. But I I use it just because there's so many Amanda White. So when I was making a website, I was like, Amanda E. White, and then it kind of (laughs) stuck. There you go. See, years ago, somebody was wise enough to give you a middle name, you know? Yep, yep. So, so yeah, so uh, I started following uh, Therapy for Women, and uh, it turns out that it can be therapy for men as well. And uh, somewhere along the line, I came across the fact that Amanda has authored a book called Not Drinking Tonight, A Guide to Creating a Sober Life You Love. And uh, and I emphasize guide uh, uh, in there when I said that because uh, I read the book, and, and it is truly... Uh, turned out to be a guidepost for me there's just uh, there's so much stuff in there that uh that was practical thank um, you i really enjoyed it yeah i really enjoyed it and so i don't know where we're gonna go today with this because my challenge in preparing for this coffee was there's so much great content in there i mean it's educational it's uh it, it's and it's practical and and it's personal and we're certainly not going to do justice over a coffee, you know, through a coffee. We're not going to do the book justice. But my hope, and I'll say it at the end, is I hope people go out and buy the book. It's really good stuff. Well, why don't we do this? Amanda, what, what happened from childhood, growing up, you know, from that point to, you know, just get a little, you know, backstory from, you know, growing up and, and getting older to writing a book, not drinking tonight. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm also sober, like you guys, you know, for the listeners out there. And I grew up moving a lot. Um, my family moved to, you know, I, I went to two different elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools. And um, that really impacted my ability to make friends and feel connected to people. And I started drinking in high school. And for me, it just kind of felt like friends in a bottle. It felt like a way that I could connect with people. I had a lot of social anxiety and it was amazing to be able to kind of get out of my head. And, you know, it worked for a long time. it felt like it was really the solution to all of my anxiety and depression and fear and things like that. And I um, went to college and I drank like a lot of other people in college. Um, I didn't think that I ever really had a drinking problem, but as I kept drinking in college, um, you know, I, it kind of kept escalating and I also started mixing it with I got a prescription for Adderall. And once I started mixing it and smoking pot and doing other things, things really started to escalate uh, more quickly for sure. And I just started, you know, people around, I was a really bad roommate. My friends would kind of say things, you know, I would like leave the stove on. I wouldn't 
lock the door. You know, I would do things that really irritated them, which I understand in hindsight. Um, but when I was going through it, I was just like, they're so mean to me. They don't understand. I mean, it was wild, the, the justifications. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I kept drinking. Things kept escalating, unfortunately. I got really depressed in college. And when I graduated, I, you know, meanwhile, I'd seen a lot of therapists during this time, but I cared a lot more about the therapists liking me or them feeling like I was making progress than actually making progress. Um, so it wasn't until actually I graduated college and I found a therapist who um, was in recovery herself and shared about it that I was able to kind of work through some of the shame and, and be honest with her and, you know, actually show up for therapy for the first time. And it was such a profoundly life-changing experience that it had me think that maybe I wanted to become a therapist myself. Um, I didn't really think I had a problem with alcohol though. I was really in denial about that for a really long time. Um, I would make progress kind of, I also had an eating disorder, so I would make progress in my eating disorder. Um, but I would, you know, I thought that I should be able to drink and because I, my drinking didn't, you know, I didn't go to jail. I didn't get a DUI. I didn't hit any of these super stereotypical, I think, you know, alcoholic ideas. So I just kept drinking and thinking that it was, that it was fine. And I was really obsessed with the idea of moderating. I would, you know, drink only beer. I would drink only wine. I wouldn't do shots. I had this weird thing that I went through where I thought that if I only drank sh shots, that would help. <laughs> Been there, done that one. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, and finally, my therapist was like, why don't you try taking a 30 day break? And because meanwhile, also, I was in, like I said, I was in school to become an addiction or not an addiction therapist, but become a therapist. I was volunteering. Essentially, my internship was at a drug and alcohol rehab. Mm. And I would go and think that I was completely different from them. So the denial was really, really thick. And then I tried to do that 30 days. I was not able to do it. Um I kept trying to moderate. And finally I had a moment of, I was a yoga teacher at the time and I had a really bad night of drinking and I was teaching a 6 a.m. yoga class and I woke up and I taught yoga completely drunk. And I still don't remember it to this day, but I was lucky that I had a moment of being like, how am I gonna keep doing this? How am I gonna be a therapist if I keep doing this? And, you know, I say often that it wasn't necessarily my worst experience. I had, you know, lower bottoms before, but I had a moment of finally listening when I had that idea and thought that I can't keep doing this. And I went to a meeting and kept going to meetings. And, um, you know, I wasn't sure if I was an alcoholic, but I kept showing up and my life completely changed. And, you know, I became a therapist and specialize in this now myself. Oh, I love that. I, I love so much about that. I love I love the fact that you left the stove on. I've, I've done that too. And, and then you I said, do that now. I know, right? I, I uh, that's one thing. And the other thing that jumped out at me is I just saw a meme, and uh, it, it said, 
you know, my vision of what an alcoholic was, was uh, somebody who had no teeth, a beard and lived under a bridge. And I'm thinking, hey, you just described me. Stop that. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, the thing the thing that really hit home was in in your story is how your approach to the therapist changed you. It, you know, I went to several therapists and and uh, I just wasn't honest. Uh, I, I didn't want it. And and I I love what you said. I I learned to say whatever he needed to hear me say. And I was paying for that. It wasn't until <laughs> I walked into it into an office and I said, look, I'll be 100 percent honest with you. You help your your role is to help me find the rocks in my road that might cause me to go back out and and, uh, you know, abuse drugs again. So, yeah. So it was it, it was a life changer for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, um, Amanda, about your story, the way I look at it, there's there's two paths, right? There's a sober path and then there's the therapist path, which, you know, I had the opportunity and privilege of talking to a lot of people about sobriety. And when, when I share my story about therapists, in fact, we just posted a... Um, an episode on therapy. And I kind of share my uh, story where, you know, my, my whole life, um, you know, if, if you had to reach out for help, it was a weakness, right? If you needed help growing up, Glenn, figure it out in business. Don't, don't come ask me, go research it yourself, be self-sufficient. So, you know, I, I lived that. And I can remember I was at a party and this is when I was at the top of my earning game, top of my executive career. You know, I had a gorgeous house, wife, kids, everything appeared to be great, you know, as the world defines success. And I can remember at a party, this guy, Chip, pulled me aside. In fact, he pulled me into his office in his house and he said, Glenn, he said, you know, I've been seeing this. And, and clearly he was reading the label in my jar. He was seeing that you're in a cautious, dangerous spot. Right. Um, I mean, I was probably a hypomanic manic, you know, and, and he pulled me aside. He said, Glenn, he said, um, you know, I've been seeing this, uh, coach. I'm like, what golf coach. And he's like, no, he, he said, I'm a therapist, but I call him a coach. And, and he goes, I really think that, that you might benefit from seeing one also. <laughs> I can remember. I was like, so offended. I'm like, dude, <laughs> do you know who you're talking to? Right. And uh, so, so I left there just kind of mocking him a little bit. But then when my drinking got really bad, and I knew it was bad, I, you know, I did go see my first therapist. And I remember sitting there. And, I mean, I just pulled him out of the insurance phone book type thing. And, and, and I sat there. <clears throat> now I was probably 35, 40. And, and he was probably 65. And I remember talking to him and, and telling him that I drank a bottle of vodka a day. And I can still remember him, and, and I, I wish the listeners could see it, but he had, like, his open palms, and he was rubbing them together in a, so, in, in, in a circle. He goes, ah, oh, Glenn, he goes, you're just using, you know, alcohol as a social lubricant, you know? And, and I'm like, dude, you're an idiot. I drink, <laughs> I, I can't go a day without drinking a bottle of vodka. And at that time, it was only a fit. Not too much later, it's turned out to be a handle a day. But, you know, and, and I'm like, I'm telling you, dude, I have no problem socially. I can talk to anybody in any situation, I'm, and, and I love it. So it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm fearful of social situations. And and it's like, okay, well, that was worthless. Long story short, um, 
throughout my you know sobriety, I landed up connecting to a therapist. <clears throat> you know, I call I do call him my coach, uh, but he's a therapist, and he has saved my life. And and I just as I was thinking about it as we were jumping on because I know one of your focuses is therapy, um, which which I just applaud. Um, there's three things that, that he really helped me with in, in sobriety. One is uh, he helped me love myself and forgive myself. I mean, just the, the personal insight. And I can remember there were sessions I just bawled, you know. And, of course, I, could, I tried to control the whole thing. And I'm like, dude, let's block off four hours, right? Because by the time I sat down, 50 minutes was gone. And, and I'm right in the middle of a good train of thought. And he's like, Glenn, got to go. And I'm like, oh, let's just, and, and then, you know, hey, it's not convenient for me to drive to see him. Let's do it on Zoom. And, and he stood his ground. He says, nope, we're going to do 50-minute sessions. We're going to do it in person. So I surrendered. You know, that was a point of surrender for me. And so he really helped me love and forgive myself, which was major for me. Second thing is I was in a relationship with a narcissist that was just killing me. She mocked my sobriety. She mocked AA. She mocked the fact that I had good meetings. She mocked everything. She wanted me to be a normal drinker and she tried to control me. And she says, I'll, I'll make you the normal drinker. Well, we all know how that works. So he helped me understand where I was in that relationship, helped me really assess it and help me get out of it. And a guy, Dr. Henry Cloud, helped me also with his book, Never Go Back. And But th that was the second one, just get out of a key relationship. And third, when I was sober, I was two or three years sober, I was struggling with a relationship I was in with her kids and stepkids, and they were looking to be stepkids. And he really helped me get the tools to manage through the stepdad, stepkid relationships, and I can't tell you how successful they were. Um, so, you know, in, you know, in fact, I just reached out to him last week. I'm like, dude, I haven't seen you in a while. Let's get together again, you know, because he helps me sharpen the pencil. And, and you know, for those out there that think like I did, like, you know, hey, going to therapy is a weakness. That is one of the strongest things and most beneficial things I have done. So I applaud you, Amanda. Absolutely. <clears throat> Bringing it back to the... Uh... And and that is so true. That story is just so true, is just the honesty part. But bringing it back to the book, uh, I felt like after reading the book, I had been to a long therapy session, but I didn't feel tired afterwards. <laughs> I felt energized. Um, it, it really is very therapeutic it, it, and, and practical because what I found when I, in my early experience going to therapy because I wasn't working it the right way, I was there and I was watching the third cues. Well, how does that make you feel, Mike? Why not? Just give me an answer. Give me some direction. Give me some hope, right? And I'm sure they were all telling me that, but it wasn't until I went to my final therapist where I really opened up and she really gave me direction. You know, go watch this video. Go read this book. Let's analyze how what what, what your triggers are. And and on the word triggers. The, the book, and then I'll shut up because this is about Amanda, not Mike, but what, what the book did for me was it it helped me put things into processing pieces, right? So it's not about the drinking, and the book isn't about the drinking. The book is about the things. There's three or four metaphors in the book, and one of them I loved was the iceberg. And the drinking is just the reflection of what you see, but there's this undergird under the water that you need to address. And 
Amanda, you do a great job of addressing that in the book. You want to talk about the iceberg for a second? Yeah, absolutely. And really the interesting thing about the iceberg theory, you know, what's also I think unique about how I how I conceptualize this is right, like I'm a person who is in long-term recovery. Um, I've worked in drug and alcohol rehabs before, but then I started my own practice. And what I saw was a lot of people were coming to me not saying they had a problem with alcohol, but the second I would ask them about their drinking habits, right? Cause that's what you do. You, in therapy, you kind of unearth everything and you try to excavate all the areas of your life and question everything. People's first response to me would be, well, I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> and it was like, that's not the question I asked, right? I asked about how, what your drinking habits are. And what I really started to see too was how many people are left out from the conversation of exploring their relationship with alcohol because they feel like they aren't an alcoholic or they don't drink every day or they don't have a problem. And really there is so much connection when you take away, right? Like someone's alcohol or whatever they're doing on the surface, you know, for other people, it could be drugs. It could be working too much. It could be all of these different types of things. What's going on under the surface is often, right? Like anxiety, trauma, depression, um, maybe some, you know, abandonment issues or things that they didn't work on throughout growing up and, um, throughout, you know, family relationships, things like that. And it's funny when I first got into this field, I felt like I really understood people with addiction. I only wanted to work in the addiction field. And the more I've been in this, you know, in therapy as a therapist myself, I see how much we're all the same. I see how much when you take right, like that alcohol or whatever you're doing away, like we all struggle with feeling connected, with feeling good enough, with feeling like there might be something wrong with us, with, you know, anxiety and all of these different types of things. And that was really why I wanted to write the book and help everyone see that there's more to, you know, sobriety than just putting down the drink. That's like the first part. But the real deep work comes from like growing up, like learn, you know, I didn't, when I was growing up, I didn't learn how to process my emotions. I didn't learn how to say no or set boundaries. I was terrified of conflict. I had no idea how to right, like communicate with my roommates or take responsibility when I messed up. So I would just drink over it and, you know, cause fights. So really my hope with the book is it gives people tools to start that reparenting process. And it, it did for me. I mean, it absolutely did. You, you broke down, uh, emotions and mental and physical and spiritual and professional and and pointed people to some practical examples and that's why i found it so helpful because it wasn't just oh there's a problem out there first of all it wasn't a problem focused on alcohol and you pointed it out in the book in many ways there is there's so many things that i underlined i mean i underlined on almost every page but there was one particular quote at the end of the book um, I won't quote the page, but uh, it talked about how we have this inner need to fill to fill ourselves with something. And Glenn and I have a friend in the room, Dr. John, and he calls it a hole in the soul. 
but but I think it was in your chapter that you talked about, okay, now I'm not drinking, now what? Be careful not to fill, you know, to exchange one addiction over another. And again, I don't want to mislabel the book. The book, to me, wasn't about so much the addiction. It was about um, about your whole mental psyche uh, and your physical. I mean, you even talked to the physical, but it's about your... It's about understanding yourself. It's a book of self-awareness that, um, that that walks you through steps to ask yourself the questions. And then, you know, I penned my responses and I thought, which first of all, I, I always thought journaling was for like girls, you know, but it turns out it turns out that it's a valuable tool you know i just i, I just i just don't tell anybody i guess I'm i haven't tried that yet the world out. right um but yeah it was it was absolutely great um you used another metaphor uh in the book that uh the umbrella metaphor well the sailboat one i love the sailboat uh metaphor because uh that made so much sense to me that you can't get wind behind your sails could you talk to the sailboat metaphor a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. And just so people know, I didn't come up with the sailboat theory. If you want to learn more about it, and maybe you guys can link it in the show notes. Um, an author, Scott Barry Kaufman, came up with this idea of the sailboat theory. He has a book called Transcend. And um, I think a lot of people know of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Mm -hmm. Like you need to meet your physical needs before you can meet, you know, your spiritual needs, your psychological needs, all these other things, and how um, what's really interesting is he actually created a different way of looking at it, and he uses the metaphor of a sailboat, and he talks about how right before we can, he talks also, which I really love, about how exploration and adventure and meaning and all of these things can be a need, but if we don't have, right, he talks about that like it's the sail of a sailboat. But if we don't have a firm base, if we're not meeting our our needs, right? If we're not getting our basic physical needs, our basic emotional needs met, um, our basic, you know, like connection with other people, these types of needs met, we're not going to be able to set sail and do these other types of things. So I think about, it's kind of like if you've ever um, been really burned out and you've wanted to go on vacation, but you're so exhausted, right? Like you're in this beautiful place, but you don't go do anything fun or explore because your body just needs to rest. It's kind of the same thing where before we can, you know, achieve big goals or um, create like this amazing life, we have to have our basic needs met. Um, so I think a lot of people, when they're thinking about self-care can get very confused about self-care, especially when it comes to like women, they, it's like bath bombs and facials and getting your nails done. And I always try to bring it back to, okay, like that can be a, a type of self-care, but if you're exhausted, <laughs> right? Like, and maybe you have kids, what you might need to do <laughs> is like pay for a babysitter and sleep. <laughs> for a couple hours, right? Or like mm -hmm. go eat a nourishing meal or <laughs> go sit by yourself in a park, <laughs> you know, and not work. Things like that are gonna be more important and fill you up before you go do something extra, um, like get a facial or whatever. Yeah, I love that. And again, you touched on that in the book and, and I made some margin notes because for me, health, takes action right 
recovery takes effort. But I, I really did highlight a margin note, the part where you said sometimes, you know, doing the, the, that next action might not be the healthiest thing to do. Your body will tell you when it's time to take a break. And it's, it's practical information like that that I found in the book that I, I just, I'm like an evangelist. I want to shout it on the top of the mountain. And we are going to put the link to the book and other resources in our resource room. What, what do you hope to achieve with this book? I mean, who, who, who's your audience? Um, because it's clearly not just therapy for women. Um, yeah. I've proven that to myself. <laughs> what, what is your, what is your hope for, for this book? I mean, where, where are you looking to bring it and will there be a sequel? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, really, like my intention for writing the book was I felt like I had a unique experience as someone who is sober and someone who um, specializes in this. And there's, you know, as you guys know, there's so many amazing quit lit books out there, but there were there aren't really any written by a therapist. And that was really why I wanted to write the book, because I wanted to get into some of these you know, therapeutic tools and things that I know that maybe not everyone knows. Um, but I think the biggest challenge, but also the most important thing when I was writing the book was how do I reach someone anywhere they are in this journey? How do I reach someone who has never considered giving up drinking or someone who's been sober for a long time and have this book be relevant for them and have them take what they need? So I think, right, like not every section, depending on, you know, if you're newly sober, the last part of my book that talks a lot about things to say, right? If someone asks you, are you drinking tonight? That might be what resonates with them most. Or someone who's been sober for a long time, some of these deeper tools may resonate. Um, so I really, my intention is that the book can fit and benefit anyone. Um, obviously, when you're writing a book, you have to like, pick a niche and pick a pick kind of an audience. Um, but I really think it'll help anyone, but especially anyone who's been sober for a while or someone who's questioning their relationship with alcohol and kind of wondering what to do. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think that you, you hit it uh, absolutely out of the park and there's a, there's a couple of things. The one message that really resonated with me throughout the book, too, is, you know, and, and in the title says not drinking tonight. It doesn't say not drinking forever. It yep. doesn't say. So your, your message. Uh, yeah. Your message is <clears throat> give it a 30 day, you know, just understand the relationship you have with the alcohol or the drugs or the eating or whatever it is that yep. you're using to fill that hole in your soul and take a break and and take that time to to investigate how that fits with you. And that's what I love about the book. You're not bashing uh, it. You're not using the, the two pounds it is to hit somebody over the head and say, oh, drink, drinking's terrible. No, it has nothing to do with that. You're drinking yeah. for a reason. Understand the reason and then, and then let's move past it together. And let's not all talk crazy talk about forever. Let's yeah. just not drink tonight. You know, exactly. and I just love that message. I love that message. Um, so last question for you, if yeah. I could. One tip to the, what did you call it, Glenn? Sober what? Sober curious? Is that the- yeah, Sober that curious. The There's just a, yeah. well, it's a new tag out there that, yeah. you know, a lot of people, and, and where I really started to see it, 
and the man I know you've seen this is like dry January, right? Yeah. And and so I saw a lot of dry January, and then I saw people leaking into February, right? And then I started leaking into March. So now I see sober curious. You know, people that are like, hey, maybe I might have a problem, and it's, you know, it's it's probably less you know threatening, right? To say, hey, I'm just curious, not I've got a problem, but. Hey, I probably drank too much last week a couple times, and, and I'm curious about the sobriety. And it's funny. I saw something the other day, and, and man, I know you'll relate, but it's somebody said, I want to make sobriety as sexy, to look as sexy as the big alcohol companies make drinking look. Mm, totally. And I love it. that. And I think that's what you do because you have so much great content on your Instagram and you make sobriety look sexy. You make sobriety, you know, there's a guy that we know, he says, well, you know, pain is the only motivator. Uh -uh. Mm -hmm. Greed, you know, and and wanting a good life and and keep Mm -hmm. that growing and going. I I, I don't do what I do today to avoid pain. Yeah, Yeah, I know that's one of the mild byproducts. I do what I do today because I want more of this, you know, great life I have. Absolutely. And I think that's such a, like, that's really such a good point too. Cause on my Instagram, there's a lot of communities that are just sober communities, which are great, but I really try to go out of my way to be like this page. I'm going to share about sobriety. I'm going to share about mental health. I'm going to share about all these different things, but I really believe more spaces need people talking about sobriety in like regular spaces, right. Rather than someone having to find a sober page only to follow. I want someone who's never thought about questioning their relationship to see one of my posts, to see maybe some of the benefits of it. Maybe they have no intention of not drinking, but they read the book for other reasons and they, they experiment and they, and they try it out because there's so many people that are left out of the conversation. And there are so many people during the pandemic that were drinking so much more (laughs) that could really, you know, you know, we know all the health problems that it's causing too. who could, you know, we drink because we were sold the idea that it'll make us happier. It'll make us better versions of ourselves. It'll fix our problems. So if we could have people see that, like those tools are already within them, maybe they wouldn't have to drink. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So tell me about the sober curious. Give me what the next step somebody should take if they're if they want to dive into the relationship, aside obviously from buying the book, what would you recommend they do? I would recommend, I think one thing that can be helpful if you're just sober curious, I mean, there's a lot of really great products out on the market that like, if you're struggling with, you have like a beer every night or whatever, like maybe try drinking an alcohol-free beer and seeing how that goes, or maybe try, you know, something, you know, a mocktail or something like that. I think that's a way that you can kind of see if it's, because sometimes too, right, we can, we think it's the alcohol that's helping us de-stress at the end of the day. And so often it's actually the ritual. And when people don't believe me, I say, do you feel relief after you've drank in your, you know, your drink? Or do you feel relief when you pour it and you sit on your couch? Because most of the time Mm. you get the Mm. relief first when it's poured and it's sitting there and maybe you have your first sip, right? Like the alcohol has not even hit you yet. So you're getting an effect from the ritual. So 
That's that brain markers, dopamine stuff. Yep. Yep. I mean, even like you could pour seltzer water in a, in a wine glass and see how that makes you feel, right? <laughs> totally. So just doing something like that, I think is simple. I think almost everyone has access to being able to do it. And you can experiment and see, do I really need this? Does this really help me? How do I feel if I swap it? Love it. Love it. Outstanding. So I'm going to, I'm going to close out with, uh, because I don't have the, the right words to really convey how much I think somebody should read this book, but in the front of the book, I'm going to read from Carolyn Dooner and Carolyn Dooner of the book says, I truly believe that anyone will benefit from reading this book, regardless of their relationship with alcohol. This book is a, such a great, reliable resource that will help us cultivate more self-awareness and compassion while gently examining our relationship with alcohol and ourselves. And uh, I think uh, I think that summed it up for me as well. So, Amanda, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Will you come back, will you come back to the coffee shop? Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was awesome. All right. Have a great, great day. See you, Glenn. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Mikey. Thanks for joining us for today's coffee chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800-839-1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution. 